if you are in a spot in your life, maybe even right now, leading up until this moment, you feel like you have been waiting for something. Uh, this is a season for you. Uh, this is a season where we navigate what it means to wait faithfully and where we navigate um, this, this tension we live in where we have a taste of what's to come and we have an idea of what's going to transpire, but it's not quite there yet. Historically, for the church... Advent is a season where we focus in on the first coming of Christ, but then we also acknowledge the second coming, believing that in some way, shape, or form, and at some time, um, he will return, and, and upon that second return, bring a full and complete restoration to his creation. There's still much mystery there. That, that might have sounded like a statement that has all the answers. It really does not. A lot of different theories. <laughs> a lot of people have predicted um, that Christ would have already returned uh, 30 years ago. Tom and I were talking about this last week. Is, um, th there, there are people who have, for whatever reason or another, have said, no, this is when it's happening. And that was 40 years ago. <laughs> so all that to say, um, there's mystery there's mystery. And in mystery and in moments where we don't know the timeline, we would be wise to talk about what it means to wait and what it means to wait faithfully. And in many ways, with that in mind, Advent is a season that pushes us out of our comfort zones. Because when we talk about things like waiting and patience, and preparation and discipline. We consider those ideas and those practices, it doesn't jive well with a free two-day shipping kind of a world, <laughs> which I'm personally taking advantage of as we speak. <laughs> this idea that we would way rather shoot from the hip, we'd rather have things now Advent sets a completely different tone. And Advent leads us into a completely different atmosphere. Um, there's a couple of verses in the book of Romans that I'm going to read just to convey this thought. If you'd like to follow along, there's uh, Bibles on the tables, in the middle of the table there. If you're going to be using one of those, Romans chapter 13 is on page 1,763. 1,763, just two verses out of the book of Romans. This is the Apostle Paul. He has written a letter to the church in Rome, verse 13, or excuse me, chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. It says this, and do this understanding the present time, that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
Advent, which is the start of the church year, says it's time to wake up. <laughs> if, if there's nothing else you hear this morning, and if there's nothing else you think of for the rest of this week, Advent is a season that says it's time to wake up. The time is almost here. There is a cloud beginning to swell. It's about to rain. The Lord is about to come. As the people of God, as the people who are trying to love God even more than they are now, Advent invites us into, and, and work, work with me on the image, works very well with the song we just sang, this dry ground cultivating task. Advent leads us into a season where we are to consider the stale where we are to consider what has not moved quickly and easily over the last month, two months, year, decade. And it puts us into a position where out of hope and anticipation, we start breaking up the dry ground. And even though it hasn't rained here, and even though we haven't grown anything out of this ground in months and years and decades, we're going to work the soil because we believe that something new can grow. That's what Advent leads us into. And it requires a few things of us. Once again, patience. Once again, discipline. Being main and central themes of Advent that we are not easily accustomed to. So in order to lean into the season, we need to do a few things. I'd like to present three of them to you as we consider the Advent season. The first one is disconnecting Advent from Christmas. Disconnecting Advent from Christmas. Um, I, I'm good friends with uh, a lot of the staff at Riverside Community Church, which is located downtown if you were to take Monroe right into downtown, Riverside's there. And um, I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of their staff, and they do a very large production for Christmas, and it's really fun. And they started planning for it uh, two weeks after Easter. Two weeks after Easter Sunday, they were planning for Christmas. And I was hanging out with them one day in the office, and because uh, our the, the Dream Center shares offices with Riverside. And they all, they all got up at the same time to go to a meeting, I said, where are you all going? They said, we got a meeting. What are you, what are you uh, meeting about? Christmas. And I, you all know me. I'm so just witty and annoying. Can I, can I get a witness? Um, I, I go, I, go uh, I didn't even have to ask for it. Um, I, I go, hey, remember Christmas is on the 25th this year. <laughs> it just has kind of a little poke to him. Um, Christmas is the 25th, December 25th. It's when, it's when we, it's when the calendar says it's Christmas, right? I think it would be fair to say, I think we would all agree that perhaps there's been a bit of a cultural takeover when it comes to Christmas. Once again, the task is disconnecting Advent from Christmas. For Christians, we start now. Culture started with Christmas, um, I don't know, after Halloween, this last weekend. Um, if you did the devotionals this morning... And if you'll do them later, 
the author Christine, Christine Hung, she says in this morning's thought, just the chaos <laughs> that leads up to Christmas. For us, our task as the people of God is to disconnect these two things. But here's the interesting thing. There's been a cultural takeover. Could I present to you this morning that there's been a religious takeover as well? And this is what I mean by that is, is how we approach December 25th, how we approach the Christmas holiday, how we talk about it. This is the coming of Christ. This is when God took the form of, of humanity and was born and dwelt among us to show us what it looks like to seek out that which has become lost. He says this himself is why, why he came. There's, there's a couple of prominent times in the scriptures where he, go, where he says why I've come. I have come so that they would have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. And in another part of the Gospels, he says, I have come to seek out and save that which has become lost. It is, however, very easy to say, as people who know how the story ends, and in this, in this instance, I'm talking about like what we celebrate around Easter. It would be very easy for us to say this time of year that finally Jesus has been born so that one day he can die. Because we put a lot of stock into the Easter, the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And I think that kind of does a disservice to the Advent season. I also think that it would be more proper to say that um, he was born not just to die. Like, that's not, that, that, that wasn't the means to the end. The act of the birth, the incarnation, is that he was not born to die, but he was born to dwell among us and seek out and save that which has become lost, and he was eventually killed. Well, those are two different ways to say something. Um, there, there's a difference in him being born to die there's a difference in him being born, showing us the better way, being the fulfillment of the law, and he was eventually killed. It's hard to do that because we know the end of the story. We know that Easter's going to be here in, in four months, and that's the line of thinking that we get ourselves caught in is we know how this ends, and so this is just step one of ten, and step ten is the death. That's the whole idea of Advent, though, is we don't know how this ends because <laughs> he hasn't returned yet. And so we talk more about waiting. So that's, that's, that's task number one of three, disconnecting Advent from Christmas. The second is reframing existence. That's a big one, right? Reframing what it means to be, to be. Reframing what it means to exist and what we should be pursuing and seeking and considering. So this Isaiah passage that, that Taylor read earlier, the prophet associates the coming of a Messiah with a reconfiguration of life itself. Listen to some of the things that we can pull out from verse 2 and verse 4. Verse 2, nations will stream to the Lord's temple. That is a reconfiguration of what it means to be alive. Is that we will stream to the Lord's temple one day. In verse 4, nations will decommit 
from violence. Are you hearing that this morning? Are, are you hearing that when we consider the coming of a Messiah, that nations will come to an understanding that violence is no longer the way? How that just hits so hard. Because it is not like that yet. This imagery we get is so beautiful of turning swords into gardening tools. Turning weapons that took life into tools that bring about life. And also in verse 4, hear this. Nations will not train for war anymore. (laughs) I I see more videos of marching armies than I see anything else. Nations are training for war. There's going to come a day, though, where nations won't do this. Um, Isaiah 5, or it's 2, 1 through 5. Chapter 2, 1 through 5. Isaiah, yeah. A complete reframing of what it means to be alive. Advent leads us in to that. And the third thing is to keep watch. Advent leads the people of God into three tasks, disconnecting Advent from Christmas, reframing existence, and keeping watch. I'd like to read a passage out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. If you're using one of the Bibles from the table, it's going to be on page 1,543. 1543. This is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, starting at verse 42. This will be a passage that is familiar to those who have done the Devo and um, will, will become familiar for those who will do that later today. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, starting at verse 42, says this. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch, and he would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Listen to verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Advent moves us into a moment where we are to keep watch. We are told, you must be ready. And what does it look like to be ready? To be ready is to be present and active in faithfulness. To be ready is to keep on keeping on. To be ready is to take the next step of obedience. Last week, we talked about this idea of what it means to be fully human and to flourish in a couple of different areas. We talked about four key relationships that are going to shape what we talk about because we believe that it would be important for us to consider how we were originally created and consider that in our growth um, as people and as people who are 
seeking the Lord. So we identify these four key relationships, our key relationship with God, key relationship with ourself, our key relationship with others, and our key relationship with creation or our work, and the, the, the things that we put our energy towards. So in light of what we've talked about today, in light of Advent and as we move ahead, I'd like to give you a, a, just a, a short statement about God, self, others, and creation, how we can engage in those healthy relationships this week. When it comes to experiencing health in our relationship with God, I want you to expect something this week. As you practice patience, believe and trust that he is with you. When you are practicing patience, when you are waiting, you are not doing so alone. That is going to bring so much health to your relationship with the Lord, is knowing that he is with you. And when he is with you, it opens up a myriad of possibilities. For you to believe and know that your waiting is not being done alone, that you are not the only one mindful of your circumstance, but that your creator is also with you, that your creator is also mindful of you, this opens up things for us. When it comes to our relationships with our own selves, which, which I have found is the one that lacks most, <laughs> is actual acknowledgement of our own selves. And this is probably the one that has, has hit me the hardest in, in preparation for this. I was talking with, this is, this is from my friend Matt, uh, Matthew Jones is a pastor in Sandwich, Illinois, <laughs> which is a place, by the way. And uh, he's, he's a pastor there and is uh, a good friend of mine. And, and I said, man, how do you approach Advent with your people? He's been pastoring for a couple of years. He goes... I try to encourage my people to do the internal work of preparation. This is a big statement. I'll, I'll end up repeating it. Do the internal work of preparation so that you will be able to recognize when he comes in full glory or simply when he breaks in the manger. Yeah. So Advent is this time where we practice, first of all, hear that, is this internal work of patience. That's step one. That's, that's tough in and of itself. But we do this internal work of preparation and patience so that we would be able to recognize when the skies were to open up <laughs> or when you heard a rumor that in the storage shed behind the Super 8 Motel on the south side of Peoria, there was a king being born. And you would be intrigued enough to be there as well. That's what Advent does. It, it, it makes us aware of, man, the, the big thing that is going to come or it allows us to be able to identify how God and his kingdom is breaking in to those little itty-bitty micro-moments as well. That's what Advent prepares us for. When it comes to our relationship with others, we are to embody Advent by extending what we can call a patient hope of Advent to one another. 
when we consider Advent, we can embody it and extend it to others, this patient hope of Advent. And when it comes to our relationships with our creation, our work, the world around us, in this Advent season, we can seek out the ways in which we can faithfully serve those that God has entrusted into your care. Now, this is, this is any kind of family and friends that might be in an inner circle, but consider your neighbors, consider your coworkers, consider those that you're just around frequently and start perhaps seeing them as those that have been entrusted into your care. Maybe you're around them a lot for a reason. So Advent, just like it says in Matthew 24, it's the, it's the person who was put in charge of a group of people and who was going to give them their food at the proper time. What if you've been put in charge of a circle? And what if we are called to do more than simply coexist with one another, but we are actually called to serve one another? Advent gives us eyes to see those moments. So, uh, we turn things over to the tables. We try to incorporate discussion into our gatherings, and, and we do have some time to do so. Um, there's a, a piece of paper on your tables. There should be two of them that have three questions on them. Moving forward, these are going to be the same three questions, because what I think it does is it allows more space for you all to dictate the conversation, which I am much more of a fan of because I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us. Um, so there are three questions. They're, they're simple and easy to remember. Uh, the first one is, what has stuck out to you? And another way of saying that is, where are you at? Um, the second one, uh, what is the second one, Taylor? What's your next step? And an easier way to say that is, where are you going? And then the last one is, how can we help? How can we pray for you? How can we journey with you? Don't go it alone. Believing that in this moment, perhaps something has popped into your head and, and that you feel like there's something you've got to do with it. Um, that's what we want this time of discussion to be all about. So let's take about seven or eight minutes. Uh, introduce yourself to someone if you don't know them. And uh, feel free to share, share as much as you'd like. Uh, if you would rather not share something, don't feel the pressure to do so. Um, hopefully you all learn um, from each other um, about how we can move forward. So uh, we'll, we'll round back up here in about seven minutes or so.